Podcast from Fort Worth Presbyterian. The following message was recorded live from our sanctuary. Our prayer is that this message would nurture a joy for loving God and loving people in you as you listen. See my bleeding Our scripture reading from today for today comes from Hebrews 12, 17, uh, 12, 12, 7 through 17. If you want to uh, follow along in the blue Bible in your pews, it's on page 1009. Again, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 12 through 17. Hear the words of the Lord. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Strive for peace with everyone and for holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble and by it may become defiled. That no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no chance to repent though he sought it with tears. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray together again. O Lord, feed us on your word. Bless us by your Holy Spirit. Lord, we have no way to get at your word except that your spirit teaches us. And Lord, we remain hardened against it apart from the life that you give us. We depend entirely upon you, Lord, that we will not neglect this word, that we will not refuse it, that we will not by tomorrow forget everything that we ever heard or did today, but by your grace and your grace alone, Lord, we will be changed. We ask for that, Lord. Overcome everything in us that would stand in the way. Save us, Lord. Have mercy upon us. Thank you that this is your purpose in Christ Jesus, and we rest in you. Amen. Uh, I've entitled this uh, to be Whole and Holy. Uh, the word whole, I take from the word peace that you find in verse 14. Strive for peace and for holiness. Uh, one commentator said, this is a remarkable command to strive for those two things. But peace, as you may know, is simply shalom, wholeness, and then holiness so, to pursue whole, to be whole and holy. Now, this word pursue, you could use the word, a simpler word for uh, seeking, which is zeteo, but this word is dioko, which is 
persecute. It's the word used of an army, an army pursuing another army. It's the very word that is used of persecution. Paul calls, calls himself a persecutor before. And so persecute, run after it with all of your heart. <clears throat> but it's important that we understand both of these things are gifts of God. This shalom is the gift and result of Christ's salvation for his people and holiness as well. These are not man-made, man-pursued things in themselves. But we're to pursue the gifts of God. And it's important in the overall context of Hebrews to remember he's driving home the idea or attacking their apostasy or their potential apostasy. They're turning away from Christ. And so he's saying, do not neglect and turn your back upon the glorious salvation of Christ. Don't turn your back upon the wholeness that the community is experiencing and the holiness and favor that you experience with God with that community. Do not turn your back upon God and all of His salvation and all of His gifts that are represented in wholeness, shalom, and holiness. And as he brings out the idea of Esau, he's talking about this one who abandoned his, everything that he had in terms of the promises of God for earthly comfort. We'll return to that, but that's the overall context here. Don't abandon everything that you have in Christ in order, which was the case with them, to gain a few years of earthly comfort and safety. Or you'll be exactly like Esau. And it emphasizes, who for one meal, <laughs> that's the emphasis, one meal gave up all of the privileges of the firstborn, which in effect were all the promises of the land, all the blessings of Abraham, all the blessings that would come to him from God. He gave it all up for one meal. And we just... Stupid, foolish. Oh, how in the world could he do such? And yet he's driving this point home to you and to me. To these people in danger of apostasy. And perhaps some of us aren't danger of, in danger of open apostasy. But we'll explore a little bit more of how we can be making decisions every day. As opposed to trusting in God for ultimate salvation. That we're striking out for ease, for protection, for comfort, for pleasure, for whatever this world may offer. And in the mind of this writer, in the mind of God himself, it's that we are giving up everything for a single meal. See, that's the feel of this, okay? <clears throat> and for a long time in my life, I read this passage, only verse 14 excised, cut out from its context. Just be at peace with everybody and, and try to be holy or you won't see God. 
But I didn't see the overall context of these promises, this glory of being in the favor of God through Christ's offering. That is, in his favor and in the holy place with God and bound up in the people in Shalom. And they're about to abandon all of that for, in effect, a single meal. It's interesting that he would compare all the persecution, imprisonment, loss of possessions, and perhaps even death itself. Everything that they might lose at the hands of the Romans to giving everything up for a single meal. See how he thought of eternal blessings and the riches and the weight of the glory that was theirs compared to even years of persecution. To give all of this up to save yourself from years of persecution would be like giving everything up for a single meal. Such is the perspective of Scripture. Such is the glory that awaits us. And we get a little feel for how blind we are to that wealth. How quickly we forget and how little that impinges upon and breaks into our lives and affects how we live. Well, just a few words about this word shalom or peace. In the, it's really a part of the Messiah's kingdom that he is bringing. In the new heavens and the new earth, there's an absolute sense of this shalom, this peace, so that there are complete repairs done on his people, complete repairs done on all relationships and everything in creation. You might say there will be a full and perfect and beautiful restoration of all things down to the last detail. Everything will be fixed Everything restored, everything healed. That's shalom. As Romans 2.10 says, glory and honor and peace, that is in Hebrew, would be shalom for everyone who does good. Pronouncing the final kingdom blessings upon God's people. But we as a community begin to experience that shalom in our lives right now. And we begin to manifest this shalom in this dark world. We're an island of this peace and this blessing that like light has broken into the dark world. The kingdom of God has come upon us now. So that Paul says the kingdom now is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Now we are restored to God. We have peace with God because Christ has justified us. And the relationships in which all the rich colors and tones and shadings and and beauty of love are on display, that is peace. That is shalom. Humility and kindness and forgiveness and forbearance and servanthood and encouragement and exhortation and comfort and compassion and faithfulness. This all makes up our shalom, our wholeness. And he's saying, pursue that shalom. Don't abandon that shalom that you have with the people of God. We become a community then where the hopeless, hopeless find hope, where the guilty find forgiveness and freedom and where the fearful find comfort and protection. The lonely and homeless 
find friendship and family. The hardened and empty are made humble and full. The angry begin to experience gratitude. The jealous begin to love. The immoral begin to taste the joy of purity. This is the place of shalom. This is the place of healing. This is the place where Humpty Dumpty gets put back together again. And so, of course, he's the prince of shalom, is he not? We celebrate at Christmas. And his kingdom is one of shalom forever. And he says in the, new, in the kingdom, you shall go out in joy and be led forth in shalom. He's called the God of peace. It's a covenant of peace. You'll have peace like a river. He'll speak peace to the nations. And the angels said, glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace in the Hebrew, of course, shalom. The very pronouncement when Christ was born. We could go on and on and on talking about shalom. But Christ himself brings it about through his death. It says in Ephesians 2, He Himself is our peace who brought us into one. And it's interesting when it says here, pursue peace with everyone. It means with all of His people, all together. Pursue peace together with the people of God. It's the same idea as Paul saying in Colossians 3.15 to all of us as a group, let the peace of Christ rule in among you, rule in your hearts together. You see, this is this helps us understand when he says that a root of bitterness would spring up in verse 15 and cause trouble and many become defiled. This is taken out of Isaiah 28. 18 and 19, and, and it speaks of one who turns away and draws others after him, who hurts and destroys other lives in the process. You see, destroying the shalom of the people of God. So, don't turn away from this wholeness and richness, this place of healing, of, of people being put back together, of yourselves being put back together, being a part of that process of putting others together, and now you're about to abandon it because you're scared you're going to lose your possessions, or you're going to lose your life, or you're going to be thrown into prison. And he says, no, pursue shalom with, with the people of God. And then he says holiness. And we tend to think that this is primarily pursue the process of being more and more holy. But that's not its primary meaning, especially in the book of Hebrews. If you'll back up to chapter 10. You'll see a little indication of what he's talking about. <clears throat> in <clears throat> chapter 10, talking about the work of Christ. And how Christ has consecrated himself and given, he gave himself up completely to the will of God. And that's what won salvation for us. In verse 10, by that will, that is the will of Christ who gave himself to his father, by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. In verse 14, the same thing, by a single offering he has Perfected 
for all time those who are being sanctified. We see that idea of being perfected already, sanctified already, verse 10. Chapter 13 and verse 12, Jesus suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. So the idea is that in, in Christ's consecration of himself to God, we, as we trust in him, are caught up in that consecration, caught up in that offering of himself, and we are offered to God as well. We become dedicated. We, we are brought into the holy presence of God's favor. Standing before His holy presence. And yet we have His favor. Because Christ has taken our sin away. And Christ has dedicated us forever to God. To belong to Him. You can imagine that. Uh, a pauper suddenly being brought in to become a son of a king and he's standing there in his filthy robes and, and, and clothes and he's suddenly aware of his filth and of course he wants to bathe and he wants to have clean clothes and he wants to learn how do I eat at the table with this great king and how do I act every day? What are my new responsibilities as a son? But you're a son now. You've been brought into his presence, into his holy presence You've been sanctified, made holy before Him. You're now called saints. You're called the holy ones. You have this standard, this standing of living in fellowship with Him. And what He's saying is you Hebrews are in danger of abandoning this favor that you have with God. You're in danger of abandoning this position of being the holy ones before God. The privileges that you can only have in Christ. And if you abandon trust in Christ, you abandon relationship with this God. You turn your back upon Him and only judgment remains. And bear in mind, they were thinking about turning away from Christ because of persecution, because of the difficulty of following Christ. And he's trying to urge them, no, run after these privileges, embrace these privileges, and of course, live them out in your life. Live them out with the people of God. He says, this, this, the next phrase in chapter 12, verse 15, it starts in our version, see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. But it's a dependent verb and literally it would read, strive for peace and holiness, seeing to it that no one fails to obtain. And that word seeing to it is the word we, from which we derive episcopal or bishop or overseers, the word we use for our elders. Overseeing. So here there's a call to oversee one another. Be accountable to one another. Keep an eye on one another. It's the same idea as earlier in chapter 3 when he says, Take care lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart. Exhort one another day after day. That same idea. And you see the community aspect of this. Strive after peace and holiness. See to it that none of you fails to pursue what? The grace of God. That's what's being abandoned here is the, the grace and favor of God through Jesus Christ. 
And to turn away from that grace, to turn away from that holy standing and that shalom is to abandon everything, even though in your mind you're creating a place of temporary safety. Right on the heels of this, of course, he says that no one is sexually immoral. This, in the NIV and the ESV, uses the word sexually immoral because the word is pornos, or from which we get pornography. But I tend to go with uh, the New American Standard, which just says immoral, and, and that it's more likely a reference to his abandonment of God, the unfaithfulness of Esau to the covenant and the way he turned away. And and like in uh, Exodus 34, it says uh, you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land and you whore after their gods. And so I think here that Esau is it's not so much to sexual immorality because there's no evidence in the text that he was engaged in that. But the immorality, the pornos of his turning his back on his true on the true God. Many commentators take this. It's not just my little idea here. But <clears throat> don't ever listen to me if I say I've got a new idea. <laughs> Nobody's ever thought of before. <clears throat> But you see, to say immoral or un- an unholy, godless, it had no regard. The idea of godless it could even be translated secular, earthly, see. Focused upon the here and the now. Or as William Lane says, only the self and the present moment. Only the self and the present moment. And what he calls the unthinkable exchange of one meal for all the promises of God. One meal for all the promises of God. Our time's up, but let me just flesh this a little bit. You have to decide, you see, in every day, am, am I, for instance... If I am abandoned somewhat in terms of my relationship with my husband or my wife, and I have pain, am I going to strike out in ungodly ways to make up for that pain, either in my thought life or my actions? Or am I going to trust God for the abundance of His inheritance that is mine, that will far exceed any loss that I would suffer in this world, in this life? Even if it goes on for years, am I going to entrust myself to him and not sell my life for what would appear, what, what seems to be life and protection, but in the end it's just a single meal, just a single meal for the inheritance of God. See, many times, and, and you and I have got to see that every deprivation in your life Every deprivation, every loss in your life is a challenge to you. Whether it's open and actual persecution like they had, or it's smaller things. Am I going to embrace the goodness of God and hope in His final salvation 
and therefore be free to give myself away to other people and to continue to do the right thing because I'm depending upon God and His glory and I'll not give away my birthright for a single meal. You know, the truth is, we will never do that apart from His grace. The truth is, that kind of trust and faith is only by the grace of Jesus Christ. And I would commend you in closing to the first few verses. Lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. He's the only one who can heal you. He bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you've been healed. By his wounds, your disjointed life, your broken lameness lameness will be healed. Your thirst and hunger for protection, for comfort. For earthly satisfaction when it runs into the face of God's will, not against God's culture and God's creation and the, the good enjoyment of his world. But when we strike out outside the boundaries of his word to try to, to be like Eve and say, I'm going to go for the fruit because I cannot believe in God's promise to me. Then we're opting for the single meal. We're following in the way of Esau. And yes, they were doing it absolutely and fully. This was open apostasy when they were going to turn their backs completely upon Christ. But don't you and I need to be aware of even the beginnings of that kind of heart. Even the stirrings of that kind of attitude. And we have to ask the Lord Jesus to speak peace into our hearts. Wholeness. He must heal me. Here's the cry of Jeremiah 17, 14. Heal me, O Lord, and I shall be healed. Save me, and I shall be saved. For you are my praise. And He heals everything. He heals the brokenhearted, Psalm 147. He heals apostasy, Hosea 14. He heals faithlessness, Jeremiah 3. There's nothing that he won't heal. And that's why we come to the table, because we're admitting, I'm sick. <laughs> I'm broken. I'm lame. I'm helpless. I have no other hope but Jesus Christ saving me. And we come here rejoicing in the standing that we have in Christ. The holiness, that the holy standing before God, the acceptance that we have in him. And we rejoice in that we have been made one, that, that there is wholeness and shalom. And we're coming and say, Lord, bring about that shalom more and more in our lives, more and more in, in this community. And make us a community, Lord, that more and more is bringing in the brokenhearted and seeing them healed. Isn't that a glorious thing to be a part of shalom, of wholeness and holiness in this world? It would be a terrible thing to abandon that. To abandon that. Let us pray. Oh, gracious Lord. Each of us.
was running from you when you found us. Each of us were a whoring after other gods when you began to work in our hearts, when you began to close off our way and hedge up our way with thorns so that our gods and our other lovers would no longer satisfy. And Lord, you turned our hearts and revealed the beauty of Christ to us. Lord, you gave us wholeness with you and begun to give us wholeness with one another. But we begun to experience what, how love works in a community. How people rush to each other's need. How people pray for one another and comfort one another and bear one another up in awful tragedy. How we uphold one another. Oh Lord, thank you for this shalom. Thank you, O Lord of Shalom, that in that final day, the Shalom will be perfect. Every tear will be taken from our eye. All grief will be gone. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, that at your pain, through your suffering, through your rejection because of our sin, we have been brought into the Beloved. We have been brought into the presence of God, covered with your righteousness, cleansed in your blood. And consecrated and dedicated to God, we have become the possession of God. Amazing. We become your special treasure. We become your intimates. We are your children. We have the inheritance. How could it be? Oh, Lord, stir in our hearts. Make us aware of even in small ways where we abandon you and abandon your goodness and abandon your promise and strike out for comfort, strike out for things apart from your word, trying for happiness in all the wrong places. Oh, bless us with renewed vigor to persecute, to pursue this shalom and this glorious holiness with all of our hearts, together with all the saints. Bless us to that end. We pray it in the name of the Prince of Shalom. Amen. Thank you for listening to this weekly podcast from Fort Worth Presbyterian. Our prayer is that this message was able to nurture a joy for loving God and loving people in you. Please visit our website for worship service times, directions to the church, and to subscribe to this podcast. Our web address is fortworthpca.org. Fort Worth Presbyterian is a part of the Presbyterian Church in America. Won't you chase my fears away?